glory of God, for which cause we faint not, but through our outward men, or though our outward men perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Father, thank you one more time tonight for the blessing of being here. Thank you, Father, for the blessing of your word. Thank you, Father, for the great hope that we have in Jesus. Lord, all of our hope is in him. We have no hope in heaven or on earth outside of the Lord Jesus. And so I pray tonight, Lord, that you would open our hearts and help us to understand that though we live in fragile vessels, these jars of clay, these vulnerable bodies, Father, you're doing an amazing work with us by sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus through our experiences in life. And Father, you have an amazing plan for us, not only in this life, but in eternity future. Lord, may we leave this place in a few moments excited about who we are in Jesus. I pray and I ask it in his name. And amen. Displaying the gospel from a humble vessel. I'm glad you came back tonight uh, because honestly what we looked at this morning could be a little on the depressing side were it not for the fact that the Lord is using our life experiences to share the gospel, to demonstrate the power of the Lord Jesus to those who are lost and dying among us. Did you know tonight that Rockcastle County, Kentucky primarily is lost? I want you to know that. Primarily, this county and this region of the state is lost. And if the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ would happen this very hour, there would be many of our neighbors and our friends and our family members who would go out into eternity without the Lord Jesus Christ. And God wants us to use the lives that He's given us, the very experiences with life that He has allowed us to go through uh, to display the gospel of Jesus. And so this morning, we really just talked about one simple point, and that point was... We ought to embrace our frailty. Now I know that a message like this and concentrating on that aspect of this passage of Scripture is not popular in a lot of churches and with a lot of quote-unquote gospel preachers. May I say to you tonight that one of the most erroneous and frankly damnable doctrines in our day and age is the prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel, you hear it in fact, uh, 
It's primarily the gospel, which it's really not a gospel, but it's primarily what is preached and taught when you go home and you turn on your television and listen to a lot of the preachers that are on there. Even on your radio, you'll turn it on and you'll hear men say erroneous things like, if you'll just do this for the Lord, and if you'll just give this, and typically what they're wanting you to give is is something that would enrich their lives and their quote-unquote ministries. If you'll just do this, then you can live your best life now. Let me tell you, I've had enough of this life. Now, I want to keep living and I want to be everything that God wants me to be in this life and in this world where he's placed me. But I'm like Abraham of old. I'm looking for a city. I'm looking for a city whose foundation is the Lord God Almighty. I'm looking for something in eternity future that I've not yet tasted in this temporal life that I'm living right now. Our best life is to be lived in glory and in the future. And so I know that this is not popular. A lot of people would tell you, again, uh, pursue life with gusto. Uh, Embrace uh, the, the goodness that God constantly wants to shower upon you. And they seem to ignore these passages as something that is inconvenient, like what we've looked at today. Paul says, again in this passage, that our lives are like these jars of clay, but within these jars of clay, God has placed the treasure. We answered two questions this morning. Question number one is, what's the treasure? And the treasure is the gospel. The treasure I have in my life and the treasure you have in your life is the gospel of the Lord Jesus. I won't go back and preach everything I shared with you this morning, but that is the light that is within us. And it's the great paradox of spirituality that God has taken the most precious gift in this world and he's placed it into these earthen vessels, these jars of clay. Now, This morning, we took a look at this picture so that I could just show you what Paul is talking about by the jars of clay, and we compared it to what we have in our life. I told you this morning that the jars of clay, the earthen vessels, were everywhere in that first century world. In fact, when you go over there, even to this day, nearly everywhere you go, you can kick up these little pieces and shards of that pottery, and so it's common, it's mundane, it's everyday just like the Walmart and the Kroger and the IGA bags that we bring home with us every time we go out to the store. And we all agreed this morning that somewhere in a house we have a pile of those things that looks a lot like that picture. I told you about my son's experience, I'm going to share it one more time because it bears repeating When my oldest son worked at Kroger, I would often ask him, what did you learn today? Who did you see today? That kind of thing. One night he came in, I said, son, what did you learn today? And he said, I learned that you don't pack bananas and a big jar of pickles down in one of those sacks. And that's simply because the bananas that 
rough end of the banana where the bunch comes together, poked a hole in the bag, and as he pulled it out of the cart to place it in a lady's trunk, there came out that big jar of pickles and it crashed on the ground, and he learned that he couldn't use those bags for something like that. I just share that with you to remind you that that's really just how vulnerable our lives are. A few weeks ago, we looked at the passage from the book of James where James writes and he says that that life is like a vapor. It's here for a moment and then it dissipates and that's just like our lives. Those jars of clay, a little bit of pressure could crack them. A jar to the jar could burst it open and that's often what it's like living in these lives. You can fall off of a horse and experience something like that. That's just life. That's what we experience. That's what we go through. I said to you this morning, and, and I want you to listen to it again, that really the reason our lives are the way they are and the reason God places the glorious treasure of the gospel down in our lives is that Christ Jesus and the gospel is never more evident and visible than when we go through those bumps and bruises of life and the jar of clay opens up a little bit and people stand around not for our glory, not to sing praises unto us, but people say things like, I don't know how he does it, I don't know how she lives except for the power and the sustaining presence of God the Holy Spirit within him or within her. So the bottom line is, as we live in jars of clay and earthen vessels, we have to learn to die to self. And when we die to self, Jesus becomes more alive in us. When we lose, he wins. When we're weak, he's strong, church. When we're last, the Lord Jesus Christ is first. When we're dependent, then we learn that he is dependable. So it's in our weakness, it's in our frailty that Jesus Christ is glorified and the power of the gospel becomes very, very evident. So embrace your frailty. Just know who you are. Understand that you're really nothing special. Well, that's good preaching, isn't it? You're nothing really all that special. You're a dime a dozen. That's just the way we are. But what's special, what's truly important, what makes a difference in this world is the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel within us. So we embrace our frailty. Now here's where it gets better. Not only do you embrace your frailty, but you live with confidence. I want you to know tonight that as an earthen vessel, as a jar of clay, you can live with incredible confidence. Even though our lives are fragile like that, we don't live down in the pit of despair. Our song, our marching song, is victory in Jesus. And with that being the case, we continue 
to demonstrate the gospel. Now, why do we do that? Well, according to the text, here's how we do it. We're confident because, beloved, we serve a God who delivers. Does God deliver? Has God ever delivered you? We serve a God who delivers. Look at verse 13 of the text. Notice Scripture says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore I have spoken, we also believe, and therefore we speak. Now I want you to understand what Paul is referring to here. His original readers, the church in Corinth, would have understood this immediately when he talked about we have spoken because we believed. They knew that he was referring to one of the lines out of their hymn book. You know, I could say a line and you would go immediately to a great hymn of our faith. I could say, uh, I've heard an old, old story and you'd know what? That I'm talking about one of the great songs of our faith. Well, the Psalms not only were the ancient Hebrews hymn book, but that carried over into the early Christian church. And so this is an exact reference back to Psalm 116. So when Paul talked about we are speaking because we have believed, Craig Keener says this in his commentary, he says, because the Jews and Christians sang or recited psalms, both he and his audience recognized that the verse's context was a psalm that offered praise to God for his deliverance. Now, notice again what he says. We have that same spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believed and therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore we speak. He's talking about the fact in Psalm 116 that the psalmist talks about God's great activity of deliverance. And so Paul writes and he says, I believe that. I believe that God delivered then and so I speak it now and I've sensed it. I've tasted it in my own life and I also speak now that God delivers even as you live life as a fragile jar of clay. Even though you suffer, even though you go through hard times, we display the gospel with confidence because of a God who has delivered down through history. Did not God deliver Lot from Sodom? Did God not deliver Joseph from prison? Did He not deliver Israel from Egypt? God delivered the Hebrew boys from the fiery furnace and God delivered Daniel from the lion's den. And listen to me, God delivered Jesus from the grave. And God will deliver you. And God will deliver me. God's hand of deliverance. You trace it all down through history and you live it out in, in your life. I wish we just had time tonight to go all over the room and, and allow each of us to give testimonies of how God has delivered. Listen, 
if you can't testify of anything else other than the fact that God delivered you from your sins, that's testimony enough. That when you were lost, when you were hell-bound, when you did not have hope in this world, a mighty hand of God reached way down for you and picked you up out of the mire and the degradation of sin and hell, and He's placed you on a solid rock. He has delivered you. He has saved your soul. Therefore, you can be confident. So we're confident tonight because of a God who delivers. We live with confidence tonight because of our future resurrection. Notice what he writes in verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Gets a little depressing here, but I want you to see the good news of it. What Paul is saying is, even if God's plan is to allow your death, and here's what we know, That'll happen for all of us if the second coming is way off into the future. But if that is God's plan for us, ultimately we can have confidence because what do we know? We know that death is a defeated foe. Death may be able to put up a skirmish in your life, but I'm saying to you, upon the cross of Calvary, Jesus killed death. He killed it. One of my favorite modern hymns is the one that says, Oh, to see my name written in the wounds, for through your suffering I am free. Death is crushed to death. Life is mine to live one through your selfless love. I love what Paul writes in the first letter to the Corinthian church. In 1 Corinthians 5 verse or 15 rather, verse 54, he writes and he says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So church, even though we're in frail bodies, living in jars of clay, we have confidence Because God delivers, we have confidence because of a future resurrection, and then we have confidence because the gospel still has the power to transform lives. We have some baptisms coming up here at the church. We're excited about that. Uh, Just in a week, we'll we'll experience uh, baptism as two young men in the youth group, have given their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. And then a week or so after that, we're scheduling another baptism of of a young person in our church who has come to faith in Christ. Now, why do we have these baptisms? Not to see people get saved, but we have baptisms because people are getting saved. And baptism is that outward sign of the inward miracle that has happened. Back to what I said earlier, that God reached down and picked someone up from his or her sin and and placed them on a solid rock. That is 
the miracle of salvation. And we need to be reminded that all of the woes and all of the issues in our communities can be fixed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice what he writes in verse 15. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. (laughs) We ought to shout hallelujah tonight that grace still abounds. Uh, We ought to be so excited tonight that we have the solution to the problems of the world and we ought to take it seriously enough that we would take that solution out to our friends and our family members and our neighbors because the same gospel that saved you and the same gospel that saved me is the same gospel that transforms lives today. When we take seriously the the temporary nature, the short-time nature of our present life and the glories of our future resurrection, it ought to motivate us to die for or die to ourselves and, and live for others so that we can see their lives transformed as well. You see, when this happened, when, when teachers began to die to themselves, they can see their students transformed. When pastors die to themselves, they begin to see congregations Transform. That's what Paul is talking about. It's for your sake. So Paul's saying here, I live with confidence in a jar of clay because I see the grace of a holy God abounding and extending to more and more people to the glory of God. So, living as uh, a soul wrapped up in an earthen vessel You live with confidence because God delivers, because you see the effects of what God has done in your life and the promise that He has even for your future deliverance, the resurrection that awaits the church, and you see that God in His grace continues to save. And so you live with confidence. The last thing I want to share with you tonight As an earthen vessel, as a jar of clay, not only do you live with confidence, but you focus on eternity. So he writes in verse 16, and he says, We do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Day. Now, when you think about the first part of what he says there in verse 16, again, it could get depressing. The outer self wasting away. But my friends, this is exciting stuff because of what he says in the second part of the verse. The inner self, the real you, the you that God has transformed and the you that God continues to work on, it is being renewed Day by day. Now think about what he's saying here. Something is happening to each and every one of us. Now, you can minimize its effect, but you can't stop it. To some of us, 
it's happening worse than to others. More wrinkles, more gray, stooped shoulders, less speed, less vigor. I don't hear any amens tonight. <laughs> less energy. Maybe you're young enough here tonight to not have noticed very much, but it's very true. It's true for each and every one of us. The outer self is decaying. Each and every day, we're getting older and we're nearing the end of our earthly lives. And from the world's point of view, that's frustrating, and it's just downright discouraging. It's tragic, it's depressing, but not so for the Christian. Not so for the believer in Jesus Christ. Not so for the one who has eternity in his or her heart renewed by the power of the gospel. You see, without Christ, the outer self and the present mortal life that you and I have without the Lord Jesus, to lose them is to lose everything. But notice what Paul writes. He says, with Christ, our inner self, the real us, is being renewed day by day. Church, you're being renewed day by day. The mirror may not say that, but that's what's happening to the real you. Don't forget this. Here's what we are. Here's who we are. We are spirits who possess souls, and that's eternal. But temporarily, we live in bodies. Let me say it again. You're a spirit who possesses a soul, and right now, that's all wrapped up in this earthen vessel. But more to you than the earthen vessel is your soul and your spirit. That's the best part of you. That's the part of you that has emotion. That's the part of you that's eternal. That's the part of you that relates to people. That's the part of you with which you laugh and you cry. And Paul, hearing God's word, is saying that real part of you is being renewed day by day. And so, what's the effect of that renewal? Notice what he writes in verses 17 and 18. So this light, momentary affliction, that's what you go through as the jar of clay, as the earthen vessel. It's light and it's momentary. This light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. I love those words, don't you? That's what God is doing in our lives. He is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're here for just a little while and then they pass away. But the things that are unseen are eternal. So my friend, we live joyful lives 
focusing on our great hope. And in doing that, we display the gospel. I want you to think about those words, weight of glory. Now, what does that mean? That God is preparing for us and preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. Well, Paul has in mind there the ancient pan scale. My mom used to have a pan scale at home, and perhaps you've seen an image like this of blind lady justice. You know, she's blinded so that she doesn't see the person, but she just measures out justice. And in the ancient world, they would use a pan scale like that, sort of as a cash register. In other words, you'd go to the market, and you would place whatever you were purchasing from the market on one side of the scale. And you'd put it in the scale, and then they would take these weights, these measurements, and they would put it in the other side of the scale. And once it came into balance, the vendor could tell you how much you owed. So I want you to look at that image, and that helps you think about what Paul is talking about in this eternal weight of glory. You see, on one side of the scale, all the stuff that you go through in life, the pain, the heartaches, the disappointments, the abandonments, all of those things you go through in life begin to stack up on the scale. Firings, Parents who forgot you, bosses, maybe who ignored you, bad breaks, bad health, bad days, you stack them up and just watch what happens to the pan on that side of the scale. All of the things you endure in your jar of clay, that adds up. And before you know it, without the Lord... And without Christ, you end up with a life that is completely and totally out of balance. And what's God's response? Does He always eliminate the bad stuff? No. Does He always take away the things that are hurting you? Not always. But what does He do? On the other side of the scale, he places that eternal weight of glory. And what begins to happen? You see, what you experience, what you go through in your jar of clay, is nothing compared to the endless joy, to the measureless peace, to eternity with Him, it not only balances, but the eternal weight of glory completely lifts the stuff that you endure in the jar of clay to the top of the scale. The burden's gone. Everything changes. Notice the word momentary. If life is just a moment... 
we can endure, endure anything for the moment. If it's for a moment, we can be sick. If it's for a moment, we can be lonely. If it's for a moment, we can be persecuted. If it's for a moment, we can struggle, can't we? Compare it to the eternal weight of glory. So, we faint not, even though the inward man or the outward man perishes, the inward man is being renewed. He's being made stronger. And all these things of life, they're light, it's just a light affliction. It's here for a moment. And what we have to look forward to is the eternal weight of glory to the real thing. Notice what he writes in verse 18. We look not at the things that we see, but at the things that are not seen. Greater for you than what you see are the treasures unseen. Greater for you than your temporary experiences are the eternal rewards. And so he writes, not at the things that are seen do we look, for the things that are seen are temporary. They're here for a moment, and then they perish away. But the things which are not seen, praise His name, are eternal. If we could just be a little more heavenly minded, just a little more. Of course, we've always talked about those people that are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. But we need that heavenly mindset, church. We, we need it. Because it's the real stuff. It's what God has prepared for us. And when we focus on that, when our minds are set on those things that God has prepared for those who love Him. That eternal weight of glory, that's what not only brings your life into balance, but it's really out of balance. The spiritual blessings that you have in Christ are so much more than the temporary things you endure in your jar of clay. But through it all, the good news is we show the world around us that there is a Jesus. Not only who has changed our lives, but there is a Jesus who saves. Would you stand with me tonight and bow your heads? I want to pray for you and we'll end our time together by singing a hymn of invitation. And maybe there's one who needs to come tonight and and just pray and ask the Lord to make you more heavenly minded. To see the things that he has prepared for you, the eternal things. And to move your focus away from the jar of clay. 
but all the while asking him to use the jar of clay. The cracks, the bumps, the breaks to project Jesus to the lost and dying world that's around us. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing. If you need to come, would you come? Lord, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us. Lord, who are we? that you would have something to say to us. God, thank you that you love us enough to help us understand how it is we move through life with the disappointments, with the heartaches, the heartbreaks, Lord, and continue to shine the gospel for Jesus. And Father, we do it out of balance because of that great eternal weight of glory. Father, if there's one who needs to come to receive you, to uh, rededicate his or her life, to pray, Lord, whatever the need is, may each heart leave this place looking to you and casting off the burdens, Father, that the experiences in this life want to stack up on us. God be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.